Welcome to this War Game. I'm your host, Rob. Welcome to the Age of Sigmar Stat Center today with just me, no Owen. He is away for the day, working hard to bring you the hottest tournament results and stats the world has ever known. So, hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Appreciate seeing all of you, as always. Hey to Magic Horn, Bobbin, Coraldron, Tomogens, Propagation. What up, Bobbin? Uh, Kill Panic, morning, morning, everyone. No Owen, I know. RIP. But he's back. He'll be back soon. Mr. Tiger, thank you very much for subscribing. Uh, he'll be back, I'm sure, at some point. So, tournament results from the weekend. Some pretty uh, pretty outstanding results. Not loads, really, to go through. So, uh, it's not going to be the longest show today because there's not tons, really, to break down. Uh, the meta has been pretty stable, uh, ultimately, over the past year, as we've seen. Obviously, the introduction of things like Broken Realms and Marathi kind of brought up the power level, we think, of Daughters of Cain. But, you know, like, and then the Daughters of Cain book. But it's been pretty much uh, the same the whole way through. It's been Fangs of Sotek, there's been some Eidneth, and there's been some Chain Shows. really hasn't changed too much uh, over the course of today. So uh, just want to thank everyone for tuning in live. You're all brilliant. I want to thank everyone who's listening to the podcast. Stay hydrated. And of course, to all the YouTube thugs, big love to you. I want to also shout out my stats crew who helped me put in all the stats data all the time. You guys are great. Um, and of course, obviously, as we get towards the end of an edition, now we know Age of Sigmar 3 has been announced. Very excited to see where these armies are going to go in the next edition. We hope, we hope, we hope, we hope um, that we uh, that we get a rebalance. There's some more internal um, synergy, uh, sorry, more internal parity, and of course, some more external parity uh, because there's some uh, terrible uh, external parity and have been for years. But ultimately, that's not going to happen, uh, and we will have some winners and losers going into the next edition, as time will tell. Uh, but excited to see how that ends up going, right? Um, Sats Crew is now just... Uh, <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> oh, you have a small echo from the audio. Hello? Is the audio okay now? Um, uh, you guys should have the right audio. That should be good. Please let me know how it's going. Yeah, big love to my Stats Crew. You're all great. So let's talk about the events that happened at the... Uh, um, Good morning, 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 everyone. Sorry, I'm just checking my audio now. I'm worried. It should be the right. It should be fine. I know the new edition will be watertight with zero ambiguity. Zero ambiguity in the new edition. I'm very much looking forward to it. As we know, the stats are important. Let's just find out very quickly from our man on the field. Uh, how do we feel about the new edition? Everything we hope is completely watertight. We've really explained everything that needs to be explained. There should be no room for ambiguity or interpretation at all of this. Everything. Okay, great. All right, well that's positive. Uh, we've got nothing to worry about, and none of these stats will uh, none of these stats will change. Right, so let's talk about what happened at the weekend. There was the Battle of Ravenhall, which had twenty seven players uh, over in Victoria, Australia. The tier was Jason Brown. Big shout out to him from Measure Gaming and Bush Radio Crew. Now the format is interesting. There was no battle tone without an FAQ, which I'm a huge fan of. Absolutely agree. It's a shame that we're still waiting for the FAQ for Lumineth Realm Lords. We're we're four weeks late now on that, but it would good, be good to get that so people could put this in. I'm sure there's some people chomping at the bit with their wind charges and some of their hurricane units that would love to be able to use those in this tournament. But I got to respect the TOs massively for just saying no battle turn without an FAQ. I think that's the right call. Um, and I think like we've got to shout that out all day. So congratulations to Jason for sticking to your guns. Because I know that's going to be a hard one. P players are going to want to always play with their toys. I get it. Um, but let's just go. 
Two people dropped three and zero after day one. Uh, you correct, Warhammer Rob? Thanks, because he's my stats crew man. Uh, okay, you're brilliant, Rob. Uh, let's go. Uh, so the rounds are two and two point four five hours. So um, well, two and three quarter hours. Two auxiliaries available each round. Can't attempt again. No tournament points. Just resolves draws. So that just helps out with draws. Um, an interesting bit from the pack from Jason were no fully printed three D models. Interesting that we're going to see that in packs either for or against in the future. Um, I think that's wild. I think that's wild. I think we're going to see whole 3D printed armies in the future. Um, so no other role in tournaments until the new book is FAQ'd, says Hawkeye. You can still use the old book, Hawkeye. Like, that's fine. Just not until the new book's FAQ'd. I, like, I just think that that's the right decision. And like, it's Games Workshop's fault that that, like, it's not the TOs. The TOs are not to blame. The TOs are like, I just like it to be so that everyone's got an FAQ so they know what's going on. That's fair. Otherwise, someone else has to do the FAQ, and I think that that's. I mean, no sloppy bar pipers is sad, but um, okay, you agree with it? Good. I think we all agree with it. We just want Games Workshop to, you know, get their finger out their ass. Um, okay, so uh, no fully three D printed uh, minis. It was a two day event, five rounds, um, and this is interesting. A barbecue lunch, a barbecue lunch. Oh, um, that's nice. So then, uh, the the battle plans were scorched earth, shifting objectives, focal points, places of arcane power, and total commitment. And uh, the meta was quite nice as well. There were nine order armies, eight chaos armies, and normally that's like a big wedge. Um, but it wasn't that, there wasn't that much disparity. You had five death armies, uh, and then you had uh, five destruction armies. Seraphon uh, was the top army, um, uh, like the most populous. Uh, and thank you very much to Rima Nightspear for subscribing for the first time. Very much appreciated. You're great. Um, uh, and then, yeah, Seraphon was the most popular army, and they took the event out on the podium. Uh, no one went 5-0, everyone went 4-1, and Hayden Ford, with his Seraphon Fangs of Sotek list, ended up taking out the event. Let's talk about this list a little bit uh, and see what's in there, because it is different to other ones we've seen. So Fangs of Sotek, and he's got Soros, he's got the Astroth Manabera Croak, two-star priest and a skink priest, like we've seen all the time, two bricks of 40 skinks, five Soros guard, so nothing different there. Uh, and then uh, the nice little swing... The swing that we've seen recently. A lot of people taking those two units or a unit of Aether Wings in Fangs of Sotek as well to protect that double line. Um, and then that unit of Vanguard Raptors. So there's gonna be, he's going to use those Aether Wings, make them charge block. He could also use the Fangs of Sotek command ability to run away. So you've got like two layers of protection from charging units looking to hit your army, which is just going to shoot you to death. Um, so it's going to be, uh, so like, it's just awful to play against. Two units of five chameleon skinks. Sometimes we see 10, sometimes we see a brick of 15. We don't often see those two units of five. They're normally like, they're, they're normally spread out a little bit more, but I think that's great. I guess probably one of the reasons is to make sure he could bring in those uh, three units of allies. Yes. Um, so he's going to need that to, to break it up. Um, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then he's got the Bellwind Vortex, Bound Geminis, Extra Command Point, a Purpose on the Sheesh. Uh, and that, bound, that Extra Command Point is actually quite interesting. One of the things we don't talk about loads in Fangs of Sotek lists, obviously you're taking it to protect, like to give you that first turn run away, or even Inspiring Presence if that's what you want to use it for. 143 wounds. Massive congratulations to Hayden there for taking it out. Now in second place was Sam's Sil uh, Sims Bailey with an Eternal Configuration Change Host List. Okay, like this is what I mean. It, we've we've been. Th I feel like we've been through this for a year, um, and this is fine. 
so he's got the change caster, Lord of Change. Change caster is a bit different. We don't always see the change caster. Three bricks of ten pink horrors, which is all thumbs. Six flamers, an exalted flamer. Then two lots of three flamers in the change host. So don't forget they're all getting an additional rend. Now on paper it's 77 wounds, but actually um, you've got to add on an additional 120 wounds for those pink horrors there. So it's actually 197 wounds. And that really gets us up to like that high cap that we generally tend to see around the 200 to 220 mark when we're looking at Blight Kings and other stuff. Not forgetting that we're obviously going to be able to summon a bunch as well around turns 2 and 3. Probably put another unit of a 20, uh, sorry, another unit of 10 more blue horrors down, so an additional 20 wounds. So they kind of hit that peak cap that we generally tend to see, um, which cause those DPS issues for people. Um. <laughs> so uh, uh, so JSB asked a question in the chat. Sorry, I missed this. What's the general rule or acceptance for players with non games virtual models in tournaments? Is it acceptable or complete non star, or does it depend on individual tournament guidelines? It depends on the individual tournament guidelines. Um, as long as the model looks like a model that is meant to represent it, I think you're all good. Um, uh, and it is not my birthday, so if that helps everyone out. Um, right, okay, then Dalton in third place with his big war here. Uh, he's got a Mega Boss or more Crusher, a war two Wardocks, two War Chanters. He's got those 30 Savage Uruks that we see a lot. Six Gore Grunters, three Gore Grunters, ten Ard Boys, all in the, uh, the Iron Fist. And then he's got a Malevolent Maelstrom as well. We've seen this build quite a lot. Like, I would say that some of the key points, if you're looking at these big war lists, and if you're looking to run a big war list, it's always those 30 Savage Uruks. They're kind of a, a core linchpin. While you're, the Gorgrunters are amazing, of course, as well. That's 30 wounds with a 4-up save. And then if there's enough war points, they've got that 6-up DPR. They're just going to delete the Earth. The 3 Gorgrunters do a pretty good job as well, as do the Ard Boys, when they get those... Uh, those um, War Chanter buffs, but it's those Savage Uruks with the pluses to save, do an amazing job, and then the Mega Boss and War Crusher, so fast and so deadly. Um, so it's just a really good, really solid list. You tend to see, sometimes you'll see two units of three Gorgrunters, another unit of Ard Boys, sometimes you'll see, you rarely see, I remember Orcman throwing in a unit of Allied 20 Grots, and also um, a Moonclan Shaman with, of course, the Scuttle, uh, not the Scuttle Tide, the um the arachnid cauldron for an additional little teleport which was cheeky but again dalton's done a smashing job here so uh we see this a lot and yeah no iron fist in a few weeks i think that's going to be really important to talk about as well um there were some notable results though uh in uh, uh pat carter's mixed death um uh like doing really well and also lachlan mclean unfortunately went three and oh just before he had to leave the event uh but he seemed like he had some symptoms and he felt a bit down so he decided to go away uh, so yeah, there we go. Uh, we don't. I don't have his path to victory here, so I'm sorry, Ridge. Uh, I apologise about that. So that's uh, the Battle of Ravenhall. Uh, Smorgan's in the chat. He went. I think he said he had a great time. He said the TO was fantastic. I mean, a barbecue. Let's go. Like, I thought I was fancy at the TSN Arena where there being a craft beer pub literally across the road. Um, but a barbecue is even cooler. So I want more of that in the future. Uh, right, okay, so let's talk about Owen's event at the weekend. So, of course, Owen would love to be here to talk about it. So this is a TTS event, um, uh, 40 players doing the Thunder Tome. So we talked about this on Friday, and we talked about what happened. There were three tiers. One, the, the, the better tier or the worst tier, however you see it, the armies that generally don't perform well, they got 2,200 points. 
the armies that perform averagely, they got 2,000 points. The armies that don't, that perform really, really well, 1,800 points. We only actually saw three armies taken from the 1,800 point bracket, and we saw a lot from the 2,002 and 2,000 point bracket. That's generally what we saw. Um, a lot of people had a great time. I think uh, the general consensus was it felt like it really brought some sort of like parity. Uh, I don't use the word balance because that really just affects people who drag their knuckles on the ground and lick paint off walls. So I use the word parity. It brought some parity to the gaming. Apologies. I'm a bit spiky today. As you all know, I haven't slept for 37 years, so going to have one of those days today. Um, but apparently... Uh... <laughs> hey, Connoroo, you babe. Hope you're well. So, um, yeah. It's uh, apparently, for, from all the players, of which there are only 40, but they all had a much better time, or they felt like it really shook things up a little bit. And we saw that in the lists as well. We saw that in the list. We saw a very different and diverse meta, um, and it's really nice showing that up against the Battle of Ravenhall. Like, there's that nice kind of combo. Like, there was a an in-real-life per in real life event with all of these lists, and, and what we thought would do well did well, because the meta's fairly stable and, and uh, I don't want to say stale, but stable at least. And then this really mixed it up, yeah? Uh, <laughs> and so uh, the armies that we got, uh, so oh, let me just talk about, so uh, no battle tone without an FAQ, great decision, three hour rounds, three auxiliaries each uh, round, and you choose two. So then uh, round one was battle for the pass, scorched earth, force in the hand, shifting objectives, and total, uh, total conquest, um, all of those. Like, I guess they're, they're fine. Uh, as long as there's not Blade's Edge in there, I don't have any issues ever. Then the top armies, um, like in the meta, there were five Cities of Sigmar armies, there were five Blades of Corn, there were four Flesh Eater Courts, and there were four Bone Splitters. Every one of those, other than Cities of Sigmar, were worth 2,200 points. The only the Cities of Sigmar were running 2,000 points. Um, and then uh, the winner was Stuart McCowan, our man, Math Jazz, the Warhammer Alchemist. Yeah, he's just playing that flute like Ron Burgundy as he as he tunes down uh, Warhammer lanes. So Stuart was running a Flesh Eater Courts feast day list. And now what's interesting about Stuart's list and a lot of the people in the chat, uh, because that core group of people playing um, in a lot of Owen's events, they talk a lot. They have like a lot of like uh, very in-depth conversations about what these metas are going to look like. And I think a really good conversation, as we saw when we did the list show on Friday, was that it felt like it was going to be a very horde heavy meta. Like it was going to be an it was going to be a tournament full of hordes because you could just spend those couple of extra hundred points to produce more wounds and put those on the tabletop, um, and I think uh, one of the things that Stuart kind of predicted in that situation was he brought that big brick of twelve horrors to just like smash through hordes. That was his kind of plan, um, and so he did really well there. Generally, uh, Owen's thoughts were that having flesh eat courts and extra two hundred points maybe overcooked them a little bit. But in the real-life stats, or even real-life plus TTS stats, they've done pretty poorly. Uh, you know, they're at a 40% win rate at the minute. And we'll look at their stats in a moment, which I think will be fun. Um, but yeah, uh, it's almost like Stuart is a good player. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Horrors were feral. Uh, okay, well, that's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we, If you want to go back in, you can go look at the list show on Friday. We talked about that. Uh, the runner-up was Alan Jones, who was Blades of Corn. Uh, and in third place was Oliver Dempsey with his Sons of Behemoth Breaker Tribe list. Third place, let's go, uh, which is nice. So notable results, uh, seventh, uh, Philip Nico with 2,200 points of gits going 4-1. Um, so 2,200 points of gits, getting that little bit of a boost, I think that's great. 
um, uh, like letting them have a 4-1. We haven't seen a 4-1 from Gitz in maybe two years. Uh, the only person who I think has done well with Gitz in the world is Nathan um, at a local tournament, uh, and that's that, That's it. So it's just uh, you can fit in an extra copper palooza. Two, almost. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, 14th every game with 1,800 points to Seraphon, going through two and only losing to the first and second place. So well done to Tavi there, um, doing a really good job showing that 1,800 points versus 2,200 points is still can still hold on in a lot of situations. Um, and then finally, uh, forgive my man uh, with 1,800 points to seven, Seraphon going through two. So it really does show pay, playing 200 points down, 200 points down, Seraphon was still able to go four one three two, um, uh, which I think is pretty pretty significant. Um, uh, Tavi in the chat says I went up against eighteen hundred points more than me overall over the weekend, uh, and was still able to pull out a four one, which oh sorry three two sorry, uh, which I think is really really impressive, and only losing to first and second place. Um, uh, okay, all right, well that's that's pretty cool. We'll look at some stats for some of those armies in a moment because I think that'll be really fun. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, we have upcoming events so upcoming events is the Super Series Genesis so we, the uh, the information went out yesterday so Monday, a week today we'll have the first ban phase for uh, game 2 of round 1 of uh, the Super Series Genesis so a week, two weeks yesterday, so May the 23rd will be the uh, will be the first matchup you guys can watch. Two teams of four battle it out after having done the ban phase. We've got the Marauders versus Legio 9, which is a pretty hot matchup. Uh, there's some uh, pretty famous people in the Marauders crew. Legio looking to topple them uh, and proceed into the next round. So that's going to be fun. And then we are on, we're online every single uh, week after, um, with the final being the 12th of June. So it's going to be uh, doubles every weekend. So the next few weekends, uh, or next five weekends, if you guys just want to hang out with us and watch Warhammer Age of Sigmar being played uh, in the Super Series, that's going to happen. Uh, Nicky D. Williams, that matchup so hot right now. Such a hot matchup. Uh, on the 22nd and 23rd of May, same time, uh, is the New Zealand Masters, uh, or as I like to call it, the New Zealand and Australian Masters. Because uh, effectively... Um, New Zealand always just seem to kick the crap out of the Australians whenever they whenever they fly over. So I just kind of see it as, as, as that whole Australasia Masters, uh, ultimately. Uh, Genesis starts Team Ancash on the 23rd of May, um, with the ban phase being the 17th of May, Monday the 17th, so the week before. So Monday, 17th, uh, tune in. Um, and then uh, over in from there's the Butcher's Ditch, which is another six week singles event by Pask. Players can only choose the low end books. Uh, so just using the books that don't work super well. 23rd is the live stream, Team Man Cash, 100%. 23rd of May. So starting at 9 a.m., um, with 17th being the ban phase show. Uh, if you guys are excited, uh, I, I guess I, I wonder what you guys would ban at the moment, uh, given the current state of the game. I feel Marathi's up there for a for a hot pick as a ban, um, uh, because yeah, I mean, I mean that really brings out those bow snakes, right? Um, Jabba slides. Go on, winner Dave, you've got it. I know you have. <laughs> right, let's uh, just take a moment to look at some stats, shall we? Because I think this is really fun. Just looking at how well Flesh Eater Courts did over the weekend. Uh, let's just take an let's just have an opportunity to look at Flesh Eater Courts as is uh, in the current meta without an extra two thousand two hundred points. So uh, they've got thirty nine percent win rate at the moment, 
Um, so not the best. Uh, I mean, it's only out of 75 matches played. Uh, and they do really badly into some armies, which I wasn't really expecting. Iron Jaws. Seems like they're not doing very well into Iron Jaws, uh, particularly, uh, at all. Um, uh, and, yeah. And I don't think they do well into Lumineth either, which I think is super interesting. But some of those spells are, are, are really, really important for them. Um, they're doing bad into Osiarchs, bad into Seraphon, bad into Skaven, really bad into Seraphon, uh, as you would expect. Uh, they played Osiarchs the most, and they've only got a 29% win rate. Uh, which I think is interesting, I guess. Let's go look at how they work uh, on the tabletop here and what's being run. So the Court Delusion um, has got that big high win percent, but I think that's only one army. Uh, Blisterkin and Gristlegore. Blisterkin actually doing better than Gristlegore, which I think is interesting because it plays different to how you might expect. Um, yeah, it plays different to how you might expect the general Flesh Eater Quartz army to work because there's an inherent weakness in the Gristlegore list that he needs to get into combat. And if we go and look at the winning list from the Battle of Ravenhall, they had two ways. First, they had it with Aether Wings and their ability to shut down a charge. That's just going to stop you for a turn. And then Fangs of Sotek have got the 4 plus run away. So two ways for you to not engage with your opponent's combat army. That's going to really affect stuff like Gristlegore. And not including other stuff that can just block you up and make it so you can't move around. Um, yes, and that Hollow Morn smash bat list at 29% win rate, uh, not really, not really pulling it out, which, um, which I've, uh, I honestly find quite fascinating. Uh, let's just quickly fly over to Big War because that also did really well at the weekend, and I think that's worth talking about. Um, uh, it's just got that 43% win rate. Uh, Iron Fist, um, uh, doing, uh, is on 41, that 41% win rate just there. Uh, and the Gorfist not doing very well either. And let's just go see who they play badly into. Uh, because I think that that's also an interesting conversation. Let's just go do this. Uh, so yeah, who do they play badly into, I guess is the real question. Well, they play well into Skaven. They've got a 71% win rate into Skaven. They do badly into KO. Uh, they've got a 33% win rate into KO. Uh, which I, like, I can kind of see because they normally... They really rely on those war chanters to do quite well, or the war docks, either one. Um, and I think the KO have the ability to remove a lot of that. And uh, big war armies do fine, but they do a lot worse when their pigs aren't damaged too, uh, or when they can't get all those pluses to save on that big brick of 30 um, and buff them up. Uh, so yeah, I would say that uh, not brutes. Uh, <laughs> so I just think, yeah, it's a bit of an issue. Bit of an issue for them in, in that particular matchup. And then... Uh, who else are we looking at here? Who got more tribes? Oh, no, it's not enough results for that. Uh, Skaven. They're smashing Skaven. That's really impressive. Uh, KO, they're doing really badly into. And then Cities of Sigmar, they're doing badly into as well. I feel like Cities of Sigmar bring enough shooting that, again, they deal with those characters uh, and they can screen effectively. Um, who are they doing really well into? Mm, not loads. That's quite interesting. Um, FEC will be so good if you can get like 6 EP a battle round, says <laughs> yeah. Can we see the Beast of Chaos stats? Of course we can. There you go, you can look at the Beast of Chaos. So they're on a 52% win rate at the minute um, uh, in this like in this data set out of 46 matches. So it's not tons of matches, if we're honest. Um, let's just have a look in here. Uh, so in the All Herd is where they do best. Gavspawn about the same as well. Um, Dark Walkers, not a winner for them, ultimately. 
<laughs> Do you know who's interesting? Ogre Moor Tribes is interesting. I don't know if I've showed you guys this before, but let's just go quickly show you this. So Ogre Moor Tribes here, Winterby, obviously Stuart, you just take that out a moment because it's not played tons, but 62% win rate. And I showed you this last week, I think, but Blood Gullet, uh, a 53% win rate versus Boulderhead. No idea. Like, I'm really going to have to deep dive why there's that significant nine-point swing between those two armies because I would have thought Boulderhead's the better play. Plus one wound on all the monsters. Like, I just, it feels right, but maybe, and they're played about the same as well. They, they, uh, they, they're played about the same. Um, obviously there isn't tons of data, but there haven't been tons of tournament over the past year. This is obviously only since, uh, the launch of GHB 2020. So, uh, like there's not tons of data to really show off here. We've shown, um, uh, we've shown Seraphon before. Slaves to Darkness is an interesting take. Knights of the Empty Throne have a 61% win rate. And then everything else gets worse, with Cabalists being 31 and Ravagers being 43. But actually, when you look at Slaves to Darkness at a 52% win rate, that's fine, that's fine. But when you start looking at Knights of the Empty Throne at 61%, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. That really, really, really big takeaways there that running Knights of the Empty Throne list is puts you into that kind of like scary tier. Uh, a really, really scary tier with, of course, that play touch warband sitting on that 54% win rate as well. So it's that combination that we generally tend to see uh, with the Godsworn and God's Wrath warband sitting really low, which is in no surprise to anyone. Uh, Dwarf Penguin says, I always play Gullet over Boulderhead, but then I always played Yorbald over Yorbad. That's wild. That's wild. Um, all about the six inch piling and Frostlord Spear that heals his Dwarf Penguin. Okay. I see that. Is this database available to view anywhere? Unfortunately, not at the minute, Wolfen Studios. Maybe in the future when we like when we do some more stuff with it. At the minute, we've just really put this together, and it's all all hail on my stats team. Can I just say that um, big love to my stats crew? They're incredible people. Um, and then when Age Sigma Three kicks off, and loads of more events come on, I'm pretty certain me and the stats team will bring you, be able to bring you some like red hot uh, information as time goes on. Um, my only stat I care about is the hype for third ed, and it's 100% win rate. Well, I mean, I don't know how good uh, Age of Sigmar 3 is, but I know for a fact that the rules will be super tight. Everything we hope is completely watertight. We've really explained everything that needs to be explained. There should be no room for ambiguity or interpretation at all of this. Everything. So we've got nothing to worry about. That's what's really important. We've got zero to worry about about this, uh, which is going to be nice. All of our answers, all of our questions answered forever. Hmm. Okay, before I go, any last uh, any last stats you guys want to check out? Um, I feel reassured. Can we get no ambiguity about? You know we can. You know we can. That's it's going to be probably the most played clip in the history of time. Uh, but in three years, someone start the clock. I think I played it three times so far. Yeah, get me a, get me a count. Um, Sons of Behemoth, there isn't enough data for. Um, Hope and should doesn't sound confident. Doesn't sound confident at all. Um, I'll never get tired of that. Magikin and Nurgle. Let's look at those, actually. Nurgle's quite interesting because, obviously, one of the oldest books, and we and they're in a good position at the minute. Um, there we go. Uh, me and David Smith on the same breath. Uh, so, Blessed Sons seems to be the most taken. That or Munificent Wanderers. Significant difference between the two. Blessed Sons at 60%. Munificent Wanderers at 33%. Now, uh, the play-touched Warband. 80% win rate. But, very few cases of it being played there. So the best thing to look at is Blight Cyst, which is what we've seen taken all the time with all those Blight Kings. It's at a 54% win rate. Quite high, really. 
Um, but that thrice fold befoulment, which hasn't been taken a lot, to be fair, uh, sat on a 60% win rate. So between the two, um, uh, Nurgle are in a really, really good position, I think, especially with their upgrades from the Sloppity Barpiper. I would say that thrice fold list has suffered a little bit since the Bellacore change, because really they shoehorned in Bellacore at 240. Now Bellacore's more expensive. He's not going to be shoehorned in, and I wonder how that will really affect the efficacy of the thricefold list. But, but, um, I, you know, it's still a good list, I think. Um, check KO, please. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go check KO. Courage and Overlords for everyone. Okay. Right, Courage and Overlords. Zifflin's got a... So it's got a standard 53% win rate, but Zifflin's got a 58% win rate with Barrett Thring sat at 55 um, then Urbaz and Zon, much worse. 44 for Urbaz and 33 for Zon. Zifflin, easily in the most popular army played. 46 instances of that. And then the Gunstrock Escort Wing has got a 63% win rate versus the Iron T uh, Sky Attack Squadron, which is 55, and Iron Sky Command, which is 54. But all of those are very high. Like, they're very high. But that Zifflin list... So what's interesting is when you look at KO, it's got a 53% win rate. When you look at the competitive list or the list that's most often taken, which is Zifflin, we get closer to that 58, nearly 60% win rate. And that's one of those really interesting things about breaking it down into sub-factions, because yes, when you look at a faction overall, it's doing really well. A good example would be Eidneth Deepkin. So let's go have a look at this. Because um, really, most factions are just a single sub-faction. So uh, we could take out Morphan, because that doesn't really count, and we'll take out Dom Hain, uh, which is like the most popular taken faction, that's at 53% uh, as a win rate. Um, uh, oh, no, I think this is messed up. I'm sorry, guys. Our Futhwan and Morfan got linked together. Um, just heals, mate. All right, we don't have to bother reading through this. It's, I've messed it up. Damn it. Um, uh, Legion Chaos Ascendant. Have we got me? No, we haven't got me. That's just first. Sorry, I, re I, was on, I was on a roll then, um, and now it's gone. I'm trying to think of another example. For you guys, uh, Osiarx was one we looked at last week. Um, but Mortis Praetorians, so 49% win rate as a faction, but Mortis Praetorians at a 55% win rate. And it's really actually Petrofex, Normirid, and Staliarchs who are bringing that army down in their win rate. Um, uh, oh, okay, let's look at corn, Blades of Corn. A lot of people love looking at Blades of Corn. I know there's a lot of corn uh, stands out in the world. So look at that. So we'll ignore that NA again. We'll try and get this cleaned up eventually, guys. Uh, apologies about that. But Reapers of Vengeance, as you can see, so 44% win rate for Corn, but win rate for um, for Reapers of Vengeance, 55%. Uh, with Gortide, 43, Skullfiend Triumph, 33, uh, Baleful Lord's Host, which is taken quite a lot, but only a 25% win rate, uh, which is interesting. And then over into the most taken battalions, um, and that would be Tyrants of Blood, 39% win rate for Tyrants of Blood. So it seems like the battalion really doesn't like live up to its name. Um, uh, but Gore Pilgrims, uh, a little bit better at 43% as a, a win rate for the battalion. Um, uh, how's Skaven doing? Badly. Uh, so like, not been playing much this year. Um, so that might be it. So yeah, not a lot of instances of Skaven. There's nothing for this, this win rate here. Um, uh, they've got 36% win rate over 107 matches. Let's see who they play badly into. Um, because it seems everyone uh, is, is the long and short of it. They play badly into Lumineth. They play Lumineth the most, and they've only got a 30%, 31% win rate. 
And it's probably fair to say that Skaven rely not re- overly rely on magic, but they there's a there's a big amount of output that can come out of Skaven from magic, and uh, that getting shut down by the Lumineth Realm Lords is pretty significant, ultimately. Um, then uh, and also all of their characters could get sniped out. I think really really easy. Uh, they play badly into Magikin and Nurgle, which is probably a DPS check issue. Uh, they play badly into Blades of Corn, which is wild in my opinion. Uh, but I imagine that they're really playing badly into Corn in that situation. Uh, they're playing badly into Big War. Again, more output. Blades of Corn and Big War doing a lot of combat output, and they've not really been able to fend it off. One of the things to talk about with Skaven is they don't actually have a combat unit. It like they have Plague Monks. Uh, but they have nothing that can stand toe-to-toe. And Plague Monks have to get the charge. They can't be charged first. If they charge first, it's all over. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so Colour would probably Archeon List beating them. I think it is Archeon Lists. Um, at least they have a 50% win rate to get Skaven. <laughs> Weirdly, they're doing okay in Seraphon. 40%. And I think that will change up in eventually. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I think those are some of the most major factions. Cities of Sigma, we talked out a little bit last week as well. Um, I think they're always an interesting take because it's such a wide faction. So many different playing Cities of Sigma. Um, so we can kind of ignore the Harkuron stat. Tempest Eye, like we looked at last week. The most popular faction being played sat on a 53% win rate. So really, really positive. Where Grave Water Fastness, Anvil Guard and the Living City all just terrible win rates 39 33 13% uh, although to be fair not a lot of people playing Anvil Guard in that situation um so yeah uh fill the left bar with blue to the win rate uh could and should be overlaid for readability fill the left bar with blue to their win rate uh okay thanks very much for the feedback kill, pa- kill panic if anyone has any feedback about what we're showing on the screen obviously send us some messages me and the stats team would love to do a better job so just the more on that the better that would be fine mist harven weirdly no one has played mist harven yet i assume everyone is still painting their armies waiting for the competitive meta uh just a quick one from jez about how we think mist harven will do in the next edition everything we hope is completely watertight we've really explained everything that needs to be explained there should be no room for ambiguity or interpretation at all of this everything yeah so it should be fine I think they're, they're, they're going to do really great. Um, really solid. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Rambo Squirrel, I'll try that out. Um, right, anyway, thanks everyone for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. It's been really, really great. Um, I'll get some great use out of that clip. Don't you worry. Uh, <laughs> right you're all been brilliant thanks for tuning in um if you guys ever want to like thank the stats team then please do um hey cup hydro homie and master checking in loving these pie charts and bar graphs hashtag chef's kiss again thanks to the stats team it's not really me i'm just kind of the anarchic child screaming into the void saying can you make these can you make numbers make sense to me please i hope the presentation is helpful for you guys i think obviously as time goes on it's going to be a lot more detailed if you are a to out there in the world we do have stat sheets for you to fill in if you want to fill them in um and as you see my three comes around we'll work out how best to represent that information for you guys on the screen as well so we can talk about these things as time goes on. Uh, and eventually we'd like to kind of show off like those lists and other bits um, uh, as we'll work harder and harder to make this as good a show as possible. So you guys can kind of take it in. Uh, so big love to the stats team. They're all brilliant. Uh, thanks to Jez for the incredible clip that we get to play all the time. Um, big love to the YouTube thugs, everyone on Patreon uh, and everyone just tuning in live. You're all great. 
So thanks loads. Uh, we'll be live tonight uh, at 7 o'clock with me and Nathan and Dan and James discussing everything about Agency MR3 that we know so far, everything that we've seen launched and how we feel about it. All of that is great. It's going to be really fun. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon and have a nice day.